This is Mindframe, a podcast of mind-bending science fiction. I am Dave Moten. I am the host of the show, and I am the writer and the narrator of the episodes. And with me, as always, is my producer, Brent Van Tassel, who is co-founder of the Podbelly Network, which you can find on podbelly.com. We are, of course, a Podbelly original. And if you want to find out anything from tips and tricks on how to launch your own podcast or a place to uh, list your podcast in a directory or a place to find other really great uh, shows, uh, podbelly.com is the place to be. Also, we want to thank our patrons and we want to encourage you to visit us at patreon.com uh, backslash mindframe podcast. That's where you can go to uh, pay at different tiers to get different uh, gifts and benefits. One of which is uh, the sit down episodes, which you probably listen to the first couple of, but we do one every single episode. So there will be a sit down for this chapter as well, where myself and Zach and Brent uh, sit down and have a casual conversation, probably take a drink of whiskey and talk about the events of the chapter, the technology, the mysteries, everything that, that we can consider to talk about. So uh, this episode is chapter 13, which rolls back around to the narrative arc of Claire Campana. And where we left Claire, she had just boarded the ship, the Clinton, and she was heading in to uh, make a rendezvous with her own ship, the Eleanor Gray, that she's just been upvoted to be captain of. So uh, she's currently on that ship and heading towards the Gray, and that's where we will find her as we begin the chapter. Chapter 13, Captain Claire Campana. 2142. We have a captain on the deck, a Marine corporal, standing guard, called as Captain Campana exited the lift. Instead of a standard salute, the Marine flourished his saber in front of his face and held it at attention, as World Navy Marines did. Campana started to straighten and prepare to salute a superior officer out of habit, but before she embarrassed herself, she realized she was, in fact, the captain on deck. The CIC of the Clinton was like a command center of any other ship in the fleet. Tracking stations, communication hubs, power readings, crew at their posts. It was reassuring, finally, something less alien than the amorphous walls of this vessel. The crew had heads-up displays projected from their naval collars, a haze of light floating around everyone's heads like colorful halos of inverted pixels, a high-tech fairy dust sprinkled over everyone's face. To an outsider, everyone with an active HUD, looked like their faces had been digitally scrambled for legal reasons on an old newsreel. But to the sailors themselves, their world was immersive and alive. They saw computer systems, watched fleet and ship operations with wide panoramic views of lighted screens. Campana's collar pinged in her ear, and a small box appeared in her vision's periphery. It was her own HUD, containing a quick list of systems she could access on the CIC, but the bulk of it was denied since she wasn't part of this ship's duty roster. She looked away from the hovering info box, and it faded with a pulse, easily summoned if the captain looked in its direction again. The hollow HUDs were incompatible with the old systems on the Eleanor Gray, so Campana had been retraining herself and working with a CIC without them. In the center of the CIC was the bridge itself. The Clinton's captain, Ang Lin Tang, stood at his small metal podium, his own face pixelized, his own display illuminated. Beside him stood a woman who looked like she was from India or some other nearby Asian country. The woman was in her mid-sixties, hair gone to gray, with only a few streaks of black left to indicate the pigment of youth. She wore the breezy, loose pant and shirt that were the official uniform of a framer. 
Above her head floated one of her attendants, those visual horror shows that look like enormous insects and would kill you for coming too close to their charge. Her second attendant must have been in the chamber, which made sense. Three marines stood guard around her and eyeballed Campana, with respect in her rank, but with a mad dog to keep her at bay. Campana was confused as to why this woman wasn't in a chamber. This framer and the marines were the only ones on the bridge who wore no display collar, but her eyes darted in the sky as she read information that the rest of the crew could not see. She managed a swarm of information through some sensory perception only her expanded mind could perceive. Something post-human, a sixth sense, or a seventh or eighth, depending on how this woman's gifts manifested themselves. The woman spoke in snippets and codes, always a crew member's name followed by some bit of information pertinent to him or her at the time. Patterson, 1 by 7, Mark. Lee, 86.987% with a 0.0034 drop-off every 5 seconds. Kahale, ship approaching, needs a repair on its Halen drive, dock with Bay 19. Tang, visitor on the CIC, you are set to be relieved by the XO. Mendez, relieve your captain. Patterson, 5 by 15, Mark. And on she went, blissful and calm. The verbal cues were the least of her duties as the ship's framer and were only heard on the bridge. They were her mental crib notes, not meant to mean anything to anyone else or serve as orders. Instead, the rest of the crew would feel her as she tugged at their minds, pushing them to proceed in certain ways and make the ship an efficient hive of mental activity. Captain Tang made a gesture, and his collar went dormant as his halo vanished. He scanned the CIC and made eye contact with Campana. He was handsome and lean, a short man with a face that seemed to sleep if not for worry lines. Captain Campana, he said. Captain Tang, she returned. They gave a simultaneous salute and shook hands. His grip was precise. He held his palm out, indicating a direction, and Campana saw a membrane that must lead to the captain's offices. She proceeded. The film pressed against her like static, and then it seemed to pop for her as she walked through. On the other side was a room that tried its best to be earthling, but failed as the morphing walls and alien presence of the ship rejected any human pretense, such as a rug or a hanging diploma. Have a seat, Captain, Tang said, sounding like he was giving an order. His voice softened immediately as he started talking to a woman of equal rank, something he was surely not used to as Captain of the Clinton. Thank you for taking the time to see me. You must be getting increasingly busy as we draw near to a Kunga station. Think nothing of it. We have already started decelerating and should make station fall within 72 hours. My XO and Ganondera take care of all the heavy lifting. Ganondera? Sorry, yes. Ganondera Devi, the Clinton's framer, Tang said as a young Chinese ensign pushed through the haze of the membrane, lay a tea set on Tang's desk, and stopped to salute. That is all, ensign, Tang watched as the ensign left. Once he and Campana were alone, he asked, Tea, Captain? Please, yes. The Americas are heavy on coffee and light on tea, said Campana. Tang poured two small cups, delicate and thin. Campana smelled hers, a robust black tea, high quality, perhaps a Chinese-grown kimon tea. Its aroma was fruity and laced with smoke. She sighed in pleasure, glad to be back on a naval vessel where she could get a decent cup. I'm a bit nervous about my own frame when I take command of Eleanor Gray. No reason to be. 
You were chosen because you could maintain the anchor for your frame, and you were trained, certainly, by the best. But I do understand the reticence. I felt the same way when given my first command. On the Yangtze? That is correct. You did your homework, Captain Campana. Did you know that we have five framers here on the Clinton? I did not, Campana said, and then whistled. Five? Yes. Ganondera runs the ship, as yours will with you. The Commodore has one to help with his demands. Our third coordinates fleet movements, since this is a flagship. We have one for secure WorldGov member communications. And finally, we have one who coordinates with the Clinton herself to manage the dimension alterations of the bulkheads. Do they all share the same frame? No, no. Each is unique. Each has their own chamber. Ganondera is rare in her desire to move about the ship. One of only six in the world who is able to leave the chamber, I'm told. The chamber is active, of course, and she can't go more than 20 meters away from it. Somehow her attendants allow her to use the chamber without being inside of it. Most framers stay put, their mind doing all the wandering they need. Their frame stops if they leave the chamber, as do their pushes. It is rare. The other four framers on board the Clinton stay put. Campana replied, Is there ever an overlap of signals between them? Five in such tight quarters. That wasn't covered in training. I mean, are there ever contrary instincts on the part of the crew when more than one framer pushes them at the same time? No, never. From the framer's perspective, their whole frames might change. If a more powerful framer shares a ship with a weaker one, I've heard that the weaker framer will bleed into the stronger one's illusory life. The frames themselves can merge, but the average service person on the ship, they're unaware of the frame at all. The sailors and marines all dance in a perfect rhythm. To an inaudible drum, Campana said. Tang smiled at this and leaned his head back to contemplate it while taking a sip of tea. May I ask you a personal question, Captain Tang? Tang nodded and pushed his lips forward in anticipation. How intense is the anchor bond? For you and me on this end? Not very. I think of Ganendra as a close friend, an advisor. No, let me amend that. Our bond is different than mere friendship. She knows me in ways nobody else does, but it is hard for me to connect with her very much. She lives in a different world and only interacts with me in codes and references to her frame. It's more intense on Ganondera's side, however. She thinks me to be her son. But you must be close to the same age, Campana noticed. Not to her. I wondered many questions myself when I took my first command and met Ganendra 15 years ago. They try to prep you in frame training, but they can't. Not really. You will form a unique relationship with yours and come to trust and value her advice and suggestions. You felt the push they give you when you serve on a naval vessel, the instinct they imbue you with to act a certain way, make a certain decision. When you first start in naval service, you can't tell the difference between your own decisions and the push of your ship's framer. Once you're the anchor, however, you can always tell the difference. I can tell which thoughts are mine and which are hers. Hers, for one, are much lighter than mine. She can be wildly funny. My sense of humor is rather limited. She isn't burdened by war or prepping the lariat. Hers is a much more simple life, made all the more simple by her unique perceptions. Captain Tang spoke with a pure standard accent. No traces of a base language that lingered from where he grew up. In Campana's experience, the Chinese were like that. All old languages were dead in that part of the world, only studied by scholars who wouldn't risk their reputation by speaking them outside of academia. The entire country had only spoken, read, learned, and thought 
in the standard language for over a hundred years. To the end of loneliness, Campana said, raising her teacup and her toast. The end of loneliness, Tang replied in his perfect accent. It was a toast that paraphrased the speech given by the real Eleanor Gray just before the world vote. Humanity was alone in the cosmos no more. If we worked, if we joined our many hands to one hand, if we sacrificed and built the lariat, it would mean the end to our eternal loneliness in the deep void of space. They both took a drink of their tea. It had hints of citrus while sitting next to a campfire, earthy and rich. Tang made a slurping sound as he let air in to marry with the tea in his mouth. Campana wondered if it was a custom where Tang was from. He swallowed and set his tea down on his saucer with the accuracy of a missile strike. He said, Commodore Nachayev speaks very highly of you. How did you come to know such a man as him? My father was his XO on the King Niao when the Commodore was but a lowly captain. At first, Tang bristled at the lowly captain comment, but then came around and laughed a laugh as precise as his handshake. After my father got promoted and became captain of the Eleanor Gray, I transferred to the King Niao as a junior officer. I guess Nachayev liked the way I did things because I was upvoted to be his XO before long. I'm certain you earned every pip on your collar. I did it that. I stayed roped to his star, as my father used to put it. When he became admiral, I was upvoted to commander and became his chief of fleet. How long were you his chief? Four years. Then the Battle of Trujillo Williams. Commodore Sui died in that battle, of course, and Nachayev's tactical decisions won what most on earth are calling an unwinnable battle. We were both injured, Nachayev and I, him gravely. I just had wounds to my leg and some broken ribs and burns. I managed to get him to an escape raft before we lost the king now and 3,147 souls. The acceleration of the escape booster knocked me out because I didn't have time to harness myself. I'm embarrassed to say that is where I got the bulk of my war wounds. I awoke with a view of Mars from Hospital Station 7, where I learned that the ship was lost and the Eleanor Gray's atmosphere was burned and took my father with her. Benjamin was sitting by my side in a wheelchair when I woke up. He debriefed me. They paused to drink. Captain Tang listened raptly with an expression that held no pity, only understanding. Understanding of this life, this navy, this type of loss. Tang finally broke the silence. You will make a fine captain, Claire Campana, as did your father, William. I've spoken with members of your crew since they've come aboard. They're very excited to be serving under the second Captain Campana to head the Eleanor Gray. You've earned a high amount of respect with both those above you and below. I know what it is like to take a dead ship and bring her back to life. I did that when I took command of the Yangtze. She was retrofitted after Deviants detonated several explosives throughout the ship, venting her atmosphere and killing most of the crew. The spirits in the hull can be daunting, but you will appease them with honorable actions and noble commands. To your father, Tang said, issuing a second toast. To my father, Campana said. In a matter of days, she'd be sitting in his seat, issuing his orders, commanding his ship, anchoring his frame. The Commodore speaks highly of your mother as well. I should like to meet her one day. Benjamin is a family friend. He did a lot to help her get through her loss, flew all the way to Earth just to give her support at the funeral. Well, you should know, you flew him there. Commodore Dechayev is an honorable officer. That is important to me. He will do great things now that he's Commodore. He's a great man, she said. 
He is, Tang agreed. I've been his flagship's captain since he took the fleet a year ago. You poor bastard, Campana said. Again, Tang laughed only after he let his guard down, let himself be a captain, sitting with a captain. Campana realized Tang was probably desperate for friendship. Every person he dealt with was either his subordinate or his superior. There was no second captain to laugh or commiserate with here on the Clinton. There was just Captain Ang Lin Tang and Ganondera Devi locked in some bond that no human being was capable of until the senders came. And in a couple of days, Campana would be an anchor. She would share this bizarre psychic bond with the same framer as her father did before. She was the sole survivor of the attack on the Grey thanks to the shielding in the framing chamber. And then Campana would meet one of WorldGov's five messengers when he took her and the Grey on a mission to find this supposed deviant messenger. It was the type of post one dreamed of when joining the World Navy. But as with most things, the dream was all exotic excitement and the reality was an exercise in managing panic. So we will check back in with Captain Claire Campana in five more chapters and see what happens when she does get to the Eleanor Gray. As we close the show, we always like to give a shout out of uh, our website, mindframepodcast.com. There you can go to the merch store and you can find all kinds of really cool stuff. We've got gear, we've got t-shirts and coffee mugs and everything you can think of. There's a section for fiction where you can buy my book, 181 Pine, and you can buy the books of uh, Zach Smith, who is the host of the sit-down episodes. Again, you can find all that at mindframepodcast.com. We also like to always give a special shout out to the Sofa King podcast, which is the podcast that myself and Brent and uh, Brad Taylor do together. Um, it is most definitely not safe for work, but it is us uh, being funny and drinking whiskey and talking about a topic that we research that our listeners tell us about. And then there's also Brewing the 99. If you're into Magic the Gathering, um, you can go there. And that's Brad Taylor's uh, podcast about the commander format of Magic the Gathering. And as always, we are a member of the Podbelly Network, and we are a Podbelly original. And if you go to Podbelly, you can find some really, really cool shows. I know you like podcasts if you're listening to this. Um, so depending on the flavor, you can definitely find some stuff there that you're going to enjoy, such as Graveyard Tales or the My Age podcast. Um, we also always like to ask you if you could, uh, if you like us, then like us. Go find us on social media, subscribe, join, like, and share. Um, that's worth a million dollars. Like that's the way that we get the word out about a podcast. If you can share um, a weekly episode or a link or a post that you make or a post that we made uh, with some friend of yours, that's a really, really helpful way to get the word out about the podcast and have some other people listen and get drawn into the the world that I am uh, trying to weave for everyone's listening pleasure. So to find us on our social media, you can go to Facebook and find us at Mindframe Podcast. On Instagram, you can find us at The Mindframe Podcast. On Twitter, we are The Mindframe Pod. And on Reddit, we are r slash Mindframe Podcast. So thanks as always for listening. We hope to see you next week. And as always, the Lariat is closing. <laughs>